everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Everybody and welcome to the second episode of my Korean drama show. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, today I'm going to be talking about a show that I basically spent all week marathoning. Uh, Hello My Twenties, also known as Age of Youth. I'm only going to be covering the first season today. Um, I haven't started the second season yet, although I do plan to. Um, but I'm kind of covering the first season I've watched it recently, so this show came out a long time ago, but I'm kind of imagining, I guess, how it would have been to watch it at the time it came out and not know there was a season two. So sort of judge this as a standalone show. This drama actually came out in 2016, and I am watching it now in 2019. I have no idea why, why I didn't watch it at the time it came out, and to be honest, I sort of avoided it. I read a little bit online that it was, you know, a bit gritty and a bit realistic and just a little bit different to, I guess, some of the more lighter, fluffy, contemporary dramas that are out there. And weirdly enough, that kind of put me off. I think for me, so often when I tune into contemporary modern dramas, particularly youth dramas around campuses or high school, um, I'm really looking for an escape from daily life and from the grind, you know, and I, I love, I guess I love the fantasy elements of those kind of fluffy romantic, romantic comedy dramas. So I think it did kind of turn me off when I heard that it was a bit grittier and a little bit more frank, maybe, than some of those other dramas. The reason that I've picked it up now, after all this time, is basically because I've been watching a bit of Knock Do Flower, which is the historical drama uh, that is airing at the moment, and the female lead in that is played by Han Ye Ri, and I, I freaking love her. She is brilliant, and so I realised she was in this and immediately started watching this, and Frankly, I think this show is so good that for the past week it has completely taken over my life. Um, it is it is beautiful. It is very, very moving. And it's all about the tiniest, smallest, quietest moments between people. And it's about the things that we are brave enough to say and the things that we aren't. And the secrets that everyone sort of keeps buried deep. Um, I found it to be just such a moving show and my overall thoughts are that I fucking loved it and if you haven't watched it you should definitely give it a try don't be like me and just keep putting it off forever for some weird reason 
the show is still definitely a K-drama. It has all the excellent K-drama feels and um, emotions that I love so much. Um, but it is a little bit grittier and it is, is a little bit more frank, but in a good way. Uh, before I begin the review, I just thought I'd give you a little overview. What I'm going to do is actually touch on each of the characters um, to, to go through each one. Because basically the show is about five young women who end up boarding together. Most of them are students and they are living in a share house. And each one is basically a main character and each one basically has their own storylines that all come together and intersect beautifully. So I'm going to be going through each of the girls one by one and I guess telling you my thoughts about their individual storylines. I am going to start off talking about a character called G1. She's one of the girls who lives in the house. She's kind of an, a kind of a weird character to start with, simply because she doesn't actually come into the show till after the first episode. But when I was thinking about it afterwards, I feel like in a way her character is almost the cornerstone of the entire show because something she does very early on in the drama has huge repercussions. Um, even though what she does is very small, it, it sort of ricochets outwards and it affects all these girls' lives. And what Jiwon does is she tells a lie. Um, the girls are all drinking together one night. Um, quite a few of them are quite drunk. They're still getting to know each other, but they're a bit closer at this stage. And Jiwon looks over at this shoe cupboard near the front door and she says that she sees a ghost. She doesn't know if it's a man or a woman. Ghosts don't work like that. She can't see their face, but she says that she sees one. And throughout the drama, she, she keeps talking about it. Every now and then she'll mention that this ghost is there. And she brings out at one point that it's angry and that it's the ghost of someone who's been murdered. And the fascinating thing about her saying this is that most of the girls in the house... Uh, at least three of them straight away believe that they know who is standing in that corner watching them. And that knowledge begins to squeeze them tighter and tighter throughout the length of the show and in a way forces them to do things that potentially they might not have actually done. So this lie has huge consequences. But what I love the most about the character of Jiwon is that for a huge part of the show, up until very close to the end, we actually don't know it's a lie, this, this story that she's told. So we're introduced to her as a character, as this really quirky, confident, funny, lovely girl who cares about her friends so much. And she's very funny. She's a bit overconfident, to be honest. Um, and she's wonderful. So I love that we are introduced to her and given the opportunity to love her as a character and want the best for her out of the drama and, you know, want to see her become who she wants to be and live this good life that she wants. And we, we get that really strong attachment to her before we ever know that she's someone who lies. And I really, really love this because I think in most stories, um, a character like that who lies for no reason 
just because, you know, in this she, she does it because she's bored. Because she wants to stir up trouble. She wants to create a little bit of drama because she feels like, you know, maybe she's not living an exciting life. Maybe she feels like she's fading away and nothing interesting ever happens to her. So she's trying to stir things up. And I don't think she does it maliciously or with any bad intention whatsoever. But the interesting thing is I have met people like that in my life who they don't think of it as lying. And yet they do tell tell lies, you know, particularly when I was a teen. Um, people sometimes are like that. But I think in stories, when a character like that who lies is introduced, I mean, they are generally going to be an antagonist. They're going to be, you know... A terrible villain in the story they're going to lie to manipulate to cause problems um, to create strife but in this case Jiwon is she shouldn't have done it because it wasn't true but at the same time it was a little joke it was just a little thing that she does and she never ever expects it well one she never expects anyone to actually take her seriously and believe it so I really loved this about her character I loved that by the time I knew that she sometimes lied, I already, I already cared for her so deeply that it did not change my opinion of her whatsoever. And I thought that was a wonderful sort of character complexity to explore in this story, um, giving us the side of a character that, to be honest, I don't think we usually see in our heroines or you know, probably heroes too, um, such an odd sort of quirk. And we do find out towards the end of the drama that potentially, you know, in high school and middle school, she was sort of known as somebody who told fips, potentially for no reason at all. Um, and, and I really liked that about her character. I found Jiwon really interesting. I think it took me a, a tiny while to warm to her because she is so overconfident. She's so out there. Um, she talks herself up a lot and she's, well, I, by the end of it though, I just, Actually, I adored her. She was one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, I guess the other element of Jiwon's whole personality in the show is that she is just desperate for a boyfriend. She wants to lose her virginity. She wants to live this great life that, you know, at college with, you know, be a campus couple or whatever and find a lovely boy. And basically she goes on blind dates all the time, but she she's a talker and she talks a lot. And I guess... I don't know, I guess she hasn't found the right sort of man who likes her for her. And one thing I really liked about Jiwon is even when she identifies that maybe she talked a bit too much at the date and she never asked him about him and he just listened to her. And I guess in that way, she constantly gets relegated to being a friend rather than a girlfriend. And she isn't seen as a woman. I loved that she never once, as a consequence of all these experiences, tried to change herself. I mean, she is a bit overconfident, always, you know, walking around and saying how wonderful she is. But I did like that she never thought, oh, I better like change my personality so I can get a boyfriend. I better tone myself down. I better wear more feminine clothes. Um, so I thought that was a really cool sort of little character thing as well. So, yeah, Jiwon was one of my favorite characters. Next, I'm going to talk about probably my least favorite character in the show. Um, the actress is lovely. Um, 
And I totally, I still really liked her, but I mean, out of five fantastic characters, she was my, my least there. Um, so her name in the show is Yen. So Yen is, I guess she's, you know, she's very girly. She's very giggly. She's very sweet. She's very feminine. Um, she has a boyfriend who is a complete psychopath, um, which I guess her whole storyline in the show is basically, uh, I guess charting these ups and downs and mainly downs, um, with this man that she has, I'm not sure how long she's been with him, but a little while they, they're very close. Um, and actually just on her side, I thought it was very interesting how they make it very clear that, you know, most of these characters have, um, you know, if they've had relationships, they've had sex in their relationships. It's not a very common thing for contemporary K-dramas. You know, mainly we have, uh, you know, rom-coms about 30-year-olds falling in love who've never even kissed anyone before, let alone, like, had sex with someone they were dating. So I, I thought that was um, very frank and very different for a K-drama and quite refreshing, to be honest. I, I really liked that. I liked that... Um, you know, sex was a part of her long-term loving relationship. Um, and by loving, I mean, you know, on her side, she really loved him. Um, the guy who plays her boyfriend, his name is Do Young in the show. Um, and he's one of those actors, like, I don't know his name, but he's, I've seen him in heaps of stuff. And I swear he always plays a complete psycho. He just has this overly smiley face that just Oh, it verges on creepy. And I do feel bad for the actor by saying he has a creepy face. But, you know, there's a reason he keeps getting these parts, I suppose. <laughs> or he's getting typecast. I feel sorry for him now. I shouldn't say such awful things. Um, but I literally just saw um, him in a couple of episodes of another drama called Suspicious Partner, where he plays a complete psychopath boyfriend stalker man who, like, just is super, super creepy. And... I guess in this drama with his relationship with the character Yun, um, you know, it kind of, uh, it, it goes into all the same sort of psychopathic areas. So um, basically, I guess Yun really, really loves this guy. And sometimes their relationship seems very positive. They seem to, you know, be very comfortable with each other and get along and it's not you know, he sees her all the time. It's not like he's trying to blank her out. He does go out drinking with his friends. So they have kind of minor issues that you would kind of think, oh yeah, that, you know, that's probably how relationships are. But then there's a couple of points where he goes too far. He gets very angry at her when he thinks she's trying to act like her college is a better school than his. Um, he gets oh very, very nasty and kind of physically pulls her out of a car and she slams her knees on the bitumen and I was when I saw that it did sort of come out of nowhere and I was like whoa but then you know she gets over it and she gets back with him um and yeah I mean obviously it, it all descends into a kidnapping plot um I guess basically when I talk about her in this relationship even though it was probably my least favorite storyline, I did understand why it was there. And I feel like it's a really realistic portrayal of a young woman who maybe doesn't know her worth and is hopelessly in love with a man who is not treating her right. And to be honest, I kind of wish the show hadn't 
pulled out the whole kidnapping plot line um, because I, I actually feel like the storyline had enough going on when it was more about a more subtle abusive relationship and I think I would have liked to spend time exploring the, the very realistic nuances of someone who is being manipulated but only slightly and emotionally abused but only slightly enough that all her friends are like what are you doing get away from this horrible horrible man but at the same time that she keeps coming back to him because sometimes things are really really good and he's very loving sometimes and I kind of wish the drama had just continued to focus on on that you know these this the push and pull of it and and had it more about her trying to break up with him and failing and trying again which is what three quarters of the show was about and I felt like that worked really really well um and when it sort of descended into the this crazy kidnapping thing where he literally punches her in the stomach and he hauls her off into his house and she's trying to get away and he's he like he bashes her up. It's, I mean, it's awful. And he keeps her um, captive in his tiny apartment for a couple of days. And I mean, it's absolutely horrible. And I do know, you know, of course that is realistic. These things do happen. Um, it just felt more like the kind of K-drum plots that are a bit more bombastic and, you know, people get hit by cars and they get kidnapped and, you know, they get amnesia. And I had kind of understood this show to be a little bit different. I thought they were going for this much quieter, smaller kind of story, which I was just enjoying so much because I guess because it's so close to real life, it, it feels very, very moving. And I kind of wish the show had stuck closer to, you know, the smaller aspects of an abusive relationship rather than, you know, going for the full blowout stuff. Um, in saying that, I do get why it was there. It, it, it led to some great scenes. It was wonderful to see all the girls kind of um, come together and go off and try and save Yun um, and help her. And I really liked all that stuff. But to be honest, I feel like I could have done without it as a major ending plot line for the show. You know, though, in saying that this character was one of my least favourite and my least favourite plot lines, um, I think some of her insights throughout the drama and some of the themes of the experiences that she was going through were so central to the overall themes of the entire drama. Um, some of the things this character said, um, for instance, I found incredibly moving and I, and I felt were really reflective of the overall thing the drama was trying to, I guess, talk about, which for me was this idea of layering yourself, you know, not speaking the truth and not wanting to appear vulnerable in front of people around you, even though oftentimes if you can be honest with your feelings, that is when you will see change and, you know, positive results. But everyone is so defensive and protective that, that they're afraid, I guess, to be truthful. And there's one quote that this character said that I actually wrote down. I liked it so much. And she's sort of talking about the analogy of makeup, um, you know, to hide the truth of who we are and how everyone now wears it all the time. And this is her quote that she says. Since when have we become shy without makeup? Since when have we become shy of the truth? Right. Truth is indignant, sad and weak. When the truth gets rejected, it really hurts. So we pretend to be cool. 
not loving as much like we're playing. I particularly love the last line there. So when she's saying, you know, truth gets rejected, it really hurts. And we all, it's like this idea that we all layer ourselves up and wear shields and masks because if someone sees the truth of us and then they decide they don't like it or they reject what we've said or what we feel, then that would be the most painful thing of all. So Yearn says that, you know, as a result of that fear, we all pretend to be cool. And in her case, she's saying, you know, that pretending to be cool is pretending that she doesn't love this man as much as she does. So in the drama, she often does things, um, you know, like he'll be really late to, um, you know, a date. And she doesn't want to appear too eager, like that she loves him too much. So she'll pretend to be late. Um, he doesn't buy her a proper present for the anniversary. He just gets some cast off from a shop and she pretends not to notice. So she's constantly, even though it sounds like she's protecting him by doing these, um, I think really she's protecting herself because she's so afraid of the rejection. And like she says, she's pretending to play. She's pretending like it doesn't mean as much as it does mean to her. And I thought that was... I thought it was very, very sad and very poignant and a beautiful kind of reminder, I guess, to, yeah, being vulnerable is so scary, but at the same time, no one wants to pretend to, to play a game or to live a lie. And, you know, it's one of my favorite things about watching K-dramas is that often they have these <laughs> crazy little scraps of wisdom in them that really make you think. And that you can relate to your own experiences and your own life and find very moving that reminds you, you know, reminds you to be brave, to let yourself be vulnerable, to try your best and do what you can to have a positive experience in life and to, you know, impact other people positively. And I particularly, even though it wasn't my favorite storyline, it also moved me a lot because of that centralized theme to her story. It was sad. But it was poignant. Next up on my list of characters is Unde. Um, it's kind of strange that I didn't begin with her because definitely for the first episode alone, she comes across as the main character and you truly think the whole show is, is going to revolve around her as the protagonist. And it's only from the second episode onward that everyone else is kind of rises up and becomes a main character too. But the reason I didn't begin with her is because I, I wanted to go through Ji-won's lie as, I think, the cornerstone of the whole show. Um, because this lie that she tells about the ghost really, really affects NJ. Um, but I guess to start with, I'll say one thing I loved about the first episode of this show um, was the way that it centered around Anjay. She is a country girl who's come to the city to start college and she doesn't know anyone or anything and she feels so isolated and alone. And I loved the way the first episode charts everything from her point of view. And we see the other girls who are living in the house from her point of view as well and they just seem impossible to understand and to be honest they seem a little mean so she arrives and she's very very softly spoken she's a bit more of a typical k-drama character that we see these really shy um you know almost cripplingly shy 
um, young woman who isn't able to express herself or her feelings or what she wants or what she thinks and it becomes a huge problem in the house where the other girls really take advantage of that and they walk all over her and I think um, actually you know in the very first episode you're like wow these girls are awful how am I going to like them as main characters but you know it all turns around as k-dramas are so incredible at doing you know changing your emotions and changing the way you feel about particularly k-dramas are great at changing the way you feel about awful awful people and then turning them into you know shining wonderful people and I think they really do that here with the other girls as well I thought it was interesting because I think it, it happens often in my life and I'm sure everyone else's as well that you get very comfortable in a situation the same way that these girls are living in this house and when someone new comes into say your job or your office or whatever it is um, often you forget what it was like for you when you were new. Um, I think it's sad but I think people have so little empathy for each other and once we're past the point of being the uncomfortable new awkward shy person we don't always extend um, help to those that we recognize are probably in that exact same position that we were it's such an easy thing to just move on with your life and once you've gained confidence then you're happier and you don't think about the other people who might be back there going through the exact same experience as you. For instance, I'm sure that a lot of these girls when they first turned up at the share house went through difficulties when they first started college. I'm sure they all didn't feel completely confident and know where things were and how to live with other young women when they'd never done that before. But they've all sunk into a comfortable routine. They know what's what. They know who each other is. They're friends in an interesting way. They're so close. They love each other, but they have a lot of issues. And this new girl coming in, I feel like they've forgotten what it's like to be new and they don't have time and they don't care. And it's only when Unjay breaks down, she absolutely breaks down. And I love this scene because afterwards she breaks herself for getting upset and crying when she wishes she could have got angry. But at the same time, it's simply the fact that she breaks down and cries and is so vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable in front of the others that it breaks through, you know, these, you know, the shields they've put around their own lives. And it reminds them, I think, of what it's like to feel so afraid and so new at everything. And it really moves them. And straight away, of course, they all feel absolutely terrible that they mistreated her and they all recognized that they mistreated her that they weren't as careful as they could have been and I think it just goes to show back to um you know what I was talking before with the other character Yeon who is talking about you know wearing makeup and and never letting yourself be vulnerable in front of others and I think sometimes being vulnerable in front of others is the solution you know it it allows you to break through other people's walls and they will actually see you because you're allowing yourself to be seen, I suppose. This first episode ended beautifully. Um, you know, all the girls, they realised that they didn't exactly do the right thing um, and extend help to NJ when she first came into the house. But as well, on the flip side, we see that NJ was so lost in her own misery and terror that she wasn't really thinking about the others either and that she might have been doing things in the house that were annoying them and they were holding back from saying it because they were trying to be polite. 
Or for instance, Anjay is getting upset that when she goes on the bus every day, you know, someone standing in the aisle with a bag is like bashing it against her head and she feels so upset and overlooked and isolated like she's nothing, like she's invisible. And then she realizes at the end of the episode that every single person is living their own huge complex life. And sometimes all you need to do is say, oh, excuse me, your bag is smashing into my face. And the guy who was doing it felt incredibly bad and was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So after all of that um, is resolved, the girls obviously get very close. And Unjay has sort of two main storylines. One is surrounding a secret, which, uh, you know, is impacted by the presence of the ghost in the house and the other is a very sugar sweet cute lovely budding relationship with her sunbae at college so he's played by this really tall gangly dude and she's just like tiny and miniature and it's all very very cute and you know I adored their relationship it is so sweet it has you know a bit of petty jealousy which is an absolute I guess, you know, that always gets me. Um, I love that in K-dramas. Um, it's really fun seeing how they get together and, you know, he falls for her first. He thinks she likes him and she doesn't. She likes some other ridiculous boy and he gets so crushed and he's sort of following her around and sort of um, hitting on her and she doesn't even barely notice that it's happening. But <laughs> as much as I love their romance, um, and I really did, it... There is another romance in this drama that just moved my heart. And the other romance between a different character called Yoon, who is played by Hanya Ri and is my favourite, favourite character in this show. The romance and the situations that she goes through is so deep um, and, yeah, just emotionally deep that I guess the more surface level sugar sweet cuteness of this college campus romance between Unjay and her sunbae, it didn't affect me quite as much and I felt like their relationship wasn't quite as mature so it didn't move me as much. It was the kind of, um, the kind of romance that I loved watching, it's so cute but you can't help but feel, oh well I don't feel like they're in love with each other. I think they're very smitten. They think the other is, you know, they're obviously attracted to each other and they like each other so much. But I didn't get the impression that they truly knew each other on a deeper level or were truly in love. And I do wonder if that was more of just a reflection of the other romance in this drama being so well done and so on such a deep level that um, reflected against it this one seemed a little bit more surface yet if this had been the only romance in the whole drama I, I'm you know I might not have had that complaint at all. Unjay spends a lot of the drama not talking about a terrible traumatic secret from her past and I found this whole storyline very interesting actually I really liked it. Um, yeah I mean she She's been through something really, really terrible with her father. And I think, to be honest, when I was watching it, I even got a little bit confused. Um, but my impression is that she believes that her father may have actually murdered her brother for insurance money and have been trying to murder her mother. She has no proof and she was very young when it happened. And as a result, she has switched two drinks in the house after seeing her father put something in one of them 
and her father has then gone on and crashed in a car and died. And Unjay carries this immense guilt about this experience where she is pretty positive that she's murdered her father. And yes, he may or may not have been doing something incredibly terrible and she may or may not have protected her mother through her actions. But the thing she's worried about is maybe it was just sleeping pills. Her mother wasn't very well. Maybe she murdered her father and she was wrong about the kind of man that he is. And the burden of this secret is crushing Anjay. She cannot talk to her um, sunbae and, you know, sort of new boyfriend about it. Um, and that's causing, you know, a lot of problems in their relationship because he knows something is wrong and he can't get closer to her and she's not talking. And she can't talk to the girls either in the share house just because she's not, she doesn't want to tell anyone that she's a murderer. And I think this whole storyline really culminates during the crazy, you know, kidnapping scene where Yen gets kidnapped by her absolute psychopath boyfriend and all the girls run in to try and save her. And it ends up with um, Yen and, you know, being held against her boyfriend with a knife at her throat and he's waving the knife at the girls and all the girls are terrified and screaming but Anjay just turns like ice cold and calm and she steps forward and she it's like she's just numb and she's having this voiceover at this point where she's sort of saying you know that she almost feels relieved like she's just been waiting for this moment she's just and I think this is partly because of this ghost that's been haunting the apartment I mean, not really, but in their minds, um, it's just pushed her and pushed her and she's at a breaking point. Something needs to break. And at this point, I think she just doesn't even care what happens to her. If she dies or anything, she just needs the agony to end. Um, and I, you know, as much as I didn't like the whole kidnapping thing, I really, really liked this scene because of the moment with Anjay and because it pushed her, it pushed her into doing something that made the others start to notice that something was wrong. Another favourite scene of mine in this drama is after Anjay tries to stop the psychopath with a knife, um, she gets stabbed up a little bit and the drama doesn't show you what's happened but we see blood on her face and we see the other girls absolutely freaking out and it is a you know, it shouldn't be because it's, you know, very traumatic and scary, but it's a very charming moment. All the girls are just screaming and crying as NJ is sort of, you know, wheeled out on a stretcher and put in an ambulance. And it's so over the top and dramatic and they're just freaking out. And of course, we find out it's just a little cut on her hand, but she has passed out. And I think she's passed out more from the emotional fallout of this huge turning point um, to do with her secret. Um, but another scene, I, a part of the same scene that I love, this whole sequence, is when Anjay is in hospital, all the girls are in there and her sunbae runs in, you know, and he's got a little bit of fuzz on his cheeks. He's, you know, just been a bit out of it lately. And, and you find out um, that he, he hasn't been going to classes and he's been staying home and he's been drinking and he's been having a lot of problems because of her. Uh, because she's not telling him this thing that he knows is there, that there's some sort of problem. And I really liked this scene because it was one of the only indicators I felt throughout the drama that there was a deeper emotional connection between these two, that their, you know, cute college sweet feelings were maturing into something um, on a deeper level. So I really liked 
seeing his reaction, you know, how, I mean, obviously how worried he was, but more that he's been suffering because of this problem between them. And it made it feel much more real that it was, it was a huge problem that they needed to overcome. Uh, the other cute thing about this whole scene is, you know, the other girls all file outside into the hallway and one by one, uh, these young men turn up freaking out because they've seen the girls on the news. Um, and none of the girls kind of like realize that these boys would do that. So Song, um, who's the one I told, oh, sorry, Yoon, sorry, sorry. So Yoon is the, the character played by Han Yai-ri that I was my favorite character. And she's the one who's sort of involved in this very deep romance in this drama with this guy who's a chef where she works. And this chef guy turns up freaking out, you know, and it's, it's such an adorable, beautiful moment. And meanwhile, another character I haven't talked about yet called Kung, who I really loved, um, her best friend, who's a boy, you know, runs in freaking out. And this is the point where you realize, oh, he, there's something else going on here. He really likes her. Um, but meanwhile, um, poor Jiwon is just standing there all by herself <laughs> and no one runs in to, you know, come and help her and look after her. And, even though that was kind of, I kept expecting it because there is a character in the show that's her friend who you think this guy, you think he's going to come. Um, and I kind of liked that he didn't. She even calls him and he's just kind of basically like, mm, fuck off, I'm not going to the hospital. And I, I liked it because it was, again, the show choosing particularly not to have these totally wrapped up sugar sweet endings, um, leaving things to be a little bit more realistic and a little bit more open. I really appreciated that. Next up, I want to touch on a character called Kung, um, who's an actress that I really, really like. I've seen her before um, for the first time in a drama called Mad Dog, which I'll be completely honest, I only watched that crazy drama because uh, Udo Huang was in it. And I loved him in Rescue Me slash Save Me, which was um, one of my absolute favorite, favorite dramas of, I think, was that 2017? I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, I was hooked on that drama. So I started, he, you know, and he was an absolute breakout in that. So I checked out what he did next and he did Mad Dog and she was in it as the female lead. And I thought she was very magnetic and charismatic. Um, I'm wondering if she's sort of getting typecast a little bit as, you know, a very sexy woman, um, which obviously she is, but they're, is kind of the character that she plays in this as well, Kung. Oh, and the actress's name is Ru Hua Yang, uh, and she plays Kung. So uh, in this drama, Kung is, she is a pretty complex and very interesting character. At first, um, you know, she's unbelievably sexy. And the interesting thing about it is, yes, this actress is absolutely beautiful, but she's not exactly you know, a thousand times more beautiful than the other actresses in this show. You know, they're all very beautiful. But there's something about the way that this woman carries herself that is just, oh, like it's magnetic. You know, she's got this confidence about the way that she moves. And um, I don't even know how to explain it. But she, you know, when she's on screen, you stare at her. She's beautiful. Um, so her character Kung at first, you know, she's just this absolutely beautiful young woman who never seems to be going to classes and is constantly swanning around and, you know, really 
really expensive cars with really, really rich dudes. Um, and the girls have, you know, quite a bit of gossip about her behind her back that she's, you know, dating multiple boys and she goes on one night stands and all this kind of, you know, rumor mill stuff. And at first, because it's a K-drama, I was really expecting it to have a big turnaround moment. And you find out that actually she's not doing any of these like, you know, more um, darker things that everyone thinks she is. And she's she's not with men. She's probably doing something else entirely and has been completely misunderstood. And at one point there's this, you know, lovelorn young man who's waiting outside the house. And basically he's kind of stalking her on a hard level. And he keeps saying he's going to save her. He's going to save her from this lifestyle she's living. And as a viewer, you're kind of like, whoa, what? Like, what does that mean? And then in front of all the other girls, he calls her a prostitute. And I was still so sure at this point that it would be not true, that she, none of this would be true. Because K-dramas, I mean, I guess they just don't normally explore characters like that. And if they do, I think that, you know, sometimes they're a little bit vilified, um, not explored in a way to wonder why they're they're the way they are with no judgment passed. Um, but obviously all the other girls, as soon as they hear the word prostitute, um, they get very nasty. And I didn't like this. It's probably one of the reasons that I didn't like the character of Yen. Um, and she she's so, so nasty about this. And, you know, calling um, Kung dirty and all this kind of stuff. Not wanting to share the same spaces or the, share the same cup. And I, I find that stuff really gross. I mean, I get why it was in the drama I'm not saying the drama's gross for having it there like this is the way people react um and you know Yeon is still a nice person but nice people do nasty things as well um so yeah I found it all very interesting but I particularly found it fascinating when it turns out to be true um but in a way that Kung is never well, she's never vilified. She's She never becomes a bad person. She never, um, you know, becomes an antagonist or a villain in this drama. She's still the same and we're still meant to like her. And then we just start exploring her as a person and a person who does the things that she does. Um, and we find out that, uh, you know, she'll have multiple boyfriends at a time and they're all very, very rich. And, you know, everyone is fully aware of the relationship being transactional, that, Yes, she's sleeping with them and yes, she's receiving money, but it's, I mean, I guess in a way that's a level of some sort of prostitution, but it's still, I guess it's explored and it, it's interesting the way the show looks into it and looks into her for making the choices that she has. And I feel that although some of the characters in the show really judge Kung for her choices, I don't really feel like the show judges her. And I really liked that. One thing I really liked about Kung's storyline was the way it sort of ran at polar opposites with a character in the house, Yoon, who's played by Han Ye Ri, who was my favourite character. <laughs> um, and their two storylines sort of run opposite to each other, uh, kind of showing the different extremes. And these two girls have a lot of issues Um I guess, understanding each other and connecting. Basically, Kung is living an easier life. She has a lot of money and she has made compromises to live the lifestyle she lives. But uh, in a way, we find out through the drama that she is 
jealous of Yoon. And Yoon's character is, she, you know, she works multiple jobs. She studies every hour of every day. She barely sleeps. She works all night. And she is also, you know, the most unhappy soul in the whole world. She is basically sleepwalking through her existence and she is numb to everything. She barely feels. Um, she's you know, I guess it, it's very sad. She's in an extremely dark place, but she just endures step by step, forward, forward, forward. So, you know, from the outside, she just looks like someone who's very hardworking. And I think Yoon, along with every other girl in the house, really judges Kung about um, the lifestyle choices that she's made. Um, and Yoon, I guess at one point, even admits, you know, that she hates Kung. She hates her, but we kind of well, the show digs deeper into why this kind of issue is there between the two young women. And it kind of reveals that they're quite jealous of each other. You know, Kung is living this easy lifestyle, but she can see Yoon, who's struggling, who's having such a hard time and yet has these intense principles, principles who, who won't bend on the things that she believes. And Kung cannot help but feel... I guess it makes Kung feel smaller, you know, like, like Yoon is judging her um, because she's bent her own principles to live this kind of easier lifestyle. Um, and in turn, I guess, Kung is jealous of Yoon. Is that what I just said? Oh my god, I'm getting really confused. Oh, sorry, yeah. So Yoon is obviously jealous of Kung and her e easy lifestyle. She's jealous that she doesn't have to work a million jobs and that she has this all this money and she can, you know, look beautiful and swan around and have a nice time. And I really liked the way it dug deeper into their relationship and the problems between them. And I loved that that was the result. The result was... They have issues and they dislike each other because secretly they're both jealous about things that the other has. Before I finish up Kung's section, I guess I should talk about her whole backstory. So she has this crazy thing where she's sort of like making really close friends with this old dude at this pub. And then um, the old dude turns out to be the dad of this little girl that Kung sort of was drowning with and sort of she didn't let her drown. Like, they were literally both drowning, but Kung sort of crawled up on top of the other girl to survive, and this little girl died. And the old man obviously, you know, massively holds that against her, um, which, you know, who knows what you'd do in that situation if you were drowning. Um, but I guess it gives a little bit of context to Kung and her very um, carefree lifestyle. You know, she just throws herself around and she doesn't care. Well, I guess she throws herself around like there's no tomorrow. She has no plans for the future and she doesn't care about the future. And in a way, it's because she doesn't care about herself. Um, there was a really lovely quote, I guess, at one point um, when Yoon's character is very, very low down in her own journey, um, enduring, you know, multiple jobs and all this hard work that she has to do. And she reflects um yeah, she reflects about it, um, about what it's like for her. And then by the end of the passage, the quote, as she's speaking, we see that really it's morphed through and now it's Kung talking about her own experiences. And I really, really loved it that these two girls who are at such odds with each other slowly come together to pinpoint so that their moment of, um, 
I guess, their lowest point. Their lowest points intersect. And they both have, they both experience the same sort of crisis point in the drama. The only difference being that Kung overcomes it and manages to find hope. And Song, um, oh, Yoon, oh my gosh, Yoon just sinks further down. Um, but I thought I'd read that quote quickly too because I really liked it. Um, so it starts with Yoon. I thought people only got lost when they tried to go somewhere. I thought people's lives only got hard because they set objectives. But staying in the same place for too long, you may lose your way too. Perhaps I may have been stuck underwater all this time, slowly sinking deep down. Who was the one who held me back all this time? And then the show kind of flips it to be about Kung thinking about when she was almost drowning and who was holding her back, you know, from maybe living all this time. And we see, um, you know, in this kind of dream flashback that in fact it was herself, it was her past self and the guilt and burden of this thing that's happened that she pretends she doesn't give a shit about, but of course she does. So I really loved both of those girls' storylines in this, but I particularly loved the way that they intersected. Finally, I have come to the very last character whose name is Yoon. Uh, I keep calling her Song for some reason, but that is not her name. Her name is Yoon, played by Hanya Ri. She was my absolute favourite in this drama. Um, it really took a while to warm to her because she is... I guess in a way, you know, oh, another character describes her as a bit of a robot. Um, she's very emotionless and it's because she's living a very unhappy life. Um, she doesn't believe in hope. Um, she doesn't believe in joy. She just believes that I think life is shit and she is enduring it and getting through it. And I truly don't think she believes she's going to get anything more out of it than just scraping by and living and surviving and breathing and obviously that's a bit of a bummer um she works multiple jobs works very hard at university you know studies at her overnight convenience store job and a lot of the times when the other girls are having parties or drinking at home or having their own fun storylines and their own things going off um you know Yoon is off by herself um working and working really hard um her she also has a secret and when the ghost is originally mentioned by G1 um Hanyuri she thinks that she knows who the ghost is but she thinks it's someone who she hopes will die someone that she wants to die and someone um, that is obviously not dead yet, but she still feels that ghost haunting her. And it, I think her and Anjay are the ones who get affected and impacted the most in negative ways by this ghost. Both of them are pushed to take action that they wouldn't normally take. Uh, so Hanya Ri also, one of the jobs that she works is as a waitress in a very high-end restaurant. Um, it's a very stressful, stressful job she works there. You know, late nights on the weekends when it's very busy and the clientele are all very clearly very rich and, you know, upper class. And um, her manager is an absolute tyrant. I freaking hated this dude. Um, but also working at this restaurant is this young man who is a chef. 
and we see very early on in the drama that he's staring at her all the time. He clearly is, you know, very much into her. And at first she doesn't really notice. Um, but little by little you see that she does and that she likes him back. And they begin this absolutely barest hint of a tentative relationship between them. Um, just the barest beginnings of it before obviously it all goes to shit but it's beautiful to see um, she's very defensive and therefore I think very reluctant to embark on anything with this young man um, because she doesn't really believe in things like that and things like happiness and being happy in life I don't think those are things she expects and um, obviously it all goes to shit because her absolutely horrible manager, um, basically Yoon hurts her finger and it's difficult for her to be on the floor in the restaurant, but she doesn't, you know, she can't just go out and get another job and she's, her mother is in debt and she has to take on the debt. Like, you know, everything's absolutely awful and she's just getting squished into the ground. And this absolutely horrible manager begins to sort of offer her things. He offers her an easier role at the restaurant so she can work behind the register instead of serving on the floor. He also begins to say that maybe they're planning to open a chain and maybe he'll need a second in command. And, you know, um, she's studying business or whatever she's studying. So, like, you know, it would be a really good job. And she's very, very, very tempted by the things that he's offering. But of course there is a price and that comes when they're alone at night, um, you know, driving home and he puts his hand on her thigh and squeezes and it's horrible. It's creepy crawly. I hate it. I hate this guy so much, but it's also very interesting because Yoon admits that the things he's offering are things that she is so desperate for that she is tempted and it's the moment when she begins to understand Kung and Kung's lifestyle choices that she's choosing an easy life that these men are giving her through their money. And suddenly Yoon is unable to hate Kung in quite the same way, um, even though she feels very shameful for these feelings that she's having of this desperation to, you know, take this horrible, gross manager up on his offer. Um, and she does want what he's offering her enough to sort of follow him, I think, a bit too long and too far than she should have. Um, and I get, uh, this is another thing, like I, it's the drama, I get that they've got to sort of stretch the storyline out. It causes immense eruptive issues between her and the young chef um, because all this gossip comes through through the restaurant that Yoon is obviously, you know, getting special favours from the manager and is obviously, you know, being with him in return. And the chef is heartbroken. And even though he doesn't believe it, he still asks her straight out. And Yoon can't say nothing happened because she feels, you know, she feels devastated that she allowed this guy to squeeze her thigh and she didn't, you know, punch him in the face and she didn't quit her job and she's still there grinding away and potentially taking the very small perks that he's offering so she can't say she doesn't feel comfortable to say nothing happened and chef is just like devastated um this guy uh i think i've seen him in another drum before his real name is yoon park um yeah i'm pretty sure i saw him as a side role in something um i thought he was very good in this and 
it was more just because I liked I liked Yoon Ka- Yoon's ca- character so much, and this chef in her life is just this point of hope and light, and the very careful, delicate, raw emotion that is just slowly unfurling between them is so beautiful to watch. I just thought it was so romantic and so moving and then so devastating when it all crashes down. Um, We see through, um, you know, as a viewer that the chef doesn't really believe that she's doing the things that everyone says, but things just get tense between them and they can't talk to each other and all this time is passing and he keeps seeing her out and about with the manager because the manager is, you know, being like, come out to this dinner and we'll talk business. But really he doesn't want to talk about business. Um, I, I Like I didn't mind that storyline with the manager. It really put so much pressure on Yoon and you know, she had to endure so much bullying and just horrible manipulative power crap from this guy um but I did feel like it drew out too long um I felt like I think I could have handled it if it was a much shorter scale and if Yoon had sort of told him to fuck off basically a lot earlier than what she does I really wish she had um for instance she goes she gets in his his car and he's going to take her out to a cafe or something to talk about business and of course he drives her off to his bloody countryside home in the middle of nowhere his holiday house and you know he gets out of the car and he's like if you want to have this opportunity and you want to talk business then we're going inside this house with this bottle of wine and Yoon is at such a low point you know her mother she has this debt, this whole thing with her brother going on, which I will explain soon. And she follows him into the house and she doesn't go all the way in. She stops in the doorway because she sees this horrible manager's little tiny children's shoes, little slippers by the door. And it's, I guess it's the moment where the reality of it breaks through. Like she's not just fucking herself over by doing this. There is other innocent parties involved and she doesn't want to be there. And uh, I really liked, uh, well, she basically tells him no. And he says, you know, oh, you haven't fallen low enough, you know, to accept my offer. And she's basically like, no, this is my lowest point because I'm here at all. And even though I hated how long it took to get to that point, obviously that point was very satisfying where she turns around. But, um, you know, she gets stuck in the middle of nowhere and it's just awful. Like, and it doesn't really help her it doesn't solve any of the problems you know she goes back to the restaurant everyone's still gossiping and saying all this horrible stuff and treating her badly and you know all the girls are being mean to her and straight away the manager is pissy at her because she's rejected him so she gets put back on the floor so she loses any of the perks she had he's obviously has no intention of talking to her about any management roles and um so she ends up worse than where she was so it's kind of that moment, I guess, where you can see why someone might have accepted his absolutely horrible advantage um, advances because of the benefits they might have received. And if you were pushed into such desperation, you know, I guess, you know, I, it's one of those things you hope you would never, ever, ever do. But it was interesting seeing a character go so close to doing something that I know she didn't want to and that she would have regretted. 
Um, and it would have been a terrible thing for her life if she had agreed. But I did like, I guess I liked how far the drama went with her towing that line and the understanding it gave her of Kung and Kung's own choices in life. Um, but basically, Yoon, at the restaurant, she just continues to get bullied all the time and this horrible manager decides that she's stolen something and he goes into her locker and he throws her crap on the ground and it's just the breaking point for for Hanya Ri. she just she freaks out she starts screaming at him and screaming and crying and collapsing and it is such an intense emotional moment and it was one of my favorite scenes in the whole show one because of the satisfaction of seeing her get so angry at this guy um, and he deserved it putting him in his place um, two because it was amazing just seeing her be emotional I feel like she just clamps it down you know she doesn't allow herself to be angry or to feel the true levels of grief that she feels um because you know she does have she has feelings for this chef guy and everything has gone to shit and she doesn't know what to do with her life she's also um being rejected from a job opportunity that she's worked so hard to get and she doesn't feel that she's good enough um to get the kind of work that she wants even with all her hard work and she feels like what what was the point of any of it what is the point of being alive at this point and she just collapses, um, you know, sobbing and crying on the floor in the restaurant. And Chef comes and just holds onto her. And it's like, it is such a beautiful, romantic moment. It is it just like, oh, it nearly made me cry and my heart. Oh, it was so good. And then Chef gives her a ride home. And, you know, she's kind of sitting on the back of his little scooter thing with her hands on his shoulders. And eventually she leans down and puts her head on his shoulder and I really like the way the camera pans in on his face and it's not like you know it's not anything big he doesn't do a huge massive grin or like yay it's such a small thing he barely even smiles but you just see what it means to him to be there in that moment with her and it's so moving and romantic um like I was saying earlier like I loved this romance between Yoon and Chef. I loved it. It was, it just broke my heart and mended it. It was so romantic. Um, and because of that, I think it really reflected for me the much more surface levels of the other romance in this, which was between Unjay and her college sunbay, which I still really liked it. But this was just so deeply emotional and I guess the difference is with this romance between Yoon and her chef, I was like very early on you see him looking at her and you are like that man is in love with her. Whilst with the sunbay you're like yeah he thinks she's really cute you know and as much as I like that my heartstrings were just tugged by this other I guess it's a more mature romance. Um the kind of romance where I feel like when this show ends, I think he'd wait for her forever to be with her. Like he, he's truly in love with her and she has so many problems to deal with in her life. Um, but you know, I believe that she's in love with him too. Man, I haven't even talked about, um, 
Yoon's whole secret and her relationship with the ghost. So I'm just going to keep it brief because this is like all getting super long. But this show was so exciting, which is why I'm talking about it so much. Um, but basically, Yoon has a younger brother who has been in a coma for six years since he was a little child. And now, you know, he's a teen, uh, which is freaking heartrending. So basically she is giving her mum money. Her mum hasn't applied for benefits because her mum didn't so sad. Her mum needed the hope in her life that her son would wake up. So she didn't apply for benefits. She didn't tell the government that he was in a coma. Therefore, you know, he still gets his his army enrollment notice. And she's taken out loans from loan sharks because she cannot bear the idea of you know officially declaring her son in a permanent coma and because of everything that's going on with Yoon and the ghost in the house that's haunting her she is convinced that it is her brother's soul and that he wants her to end his life because he cannot bear to live this you know in this stasis anymore so she has this beautiful day out with chef um where, where she actually is happy for once and does all the things that normal people do, you know, walking around and hanging out. And she wears these beautiful shoes that Kung gave her. And then she walks into the nursing home and all the girls figure it out and run there to stop her. And she goes there to unplug her brother, basically. And at first we think she has. We see the brother come out and he's dead, he's, you know, under a sheet, he gets taken away, and then we see the police rushing in, and the girls are freaking out, but in the end, it is actually Yoon's mother who's done it, which I thought was a very, very kind of sad and poignant sort of ending to their whole storyline and this really complex relationship between Yoon and her mother, where her mother is holding on to hope, and it's killing Yoon. And in the end, I think, you know, I guess, you know, it's a whole different sort of conversation about euthanasia and why the mother should have been allowed to make that decision potentially earlier without, you know, being arrested and going to jail. But because it's a more realistic drama, she is arrested and she does go to jail. And that's, you know, other stuff that Yoon has to deal with. Well, that was my character by character breakdown of Hello My Twenties or Age of Youth season one. Um, I'm just going to touch on the ending quickly before the end of the show. Um, I really liked it and I tried to imagine how I would feel about it if I hadn't known that there would be a season two. And I think without a season two, I almost feel like I liked it even more. Um, it was wrapped up, but it wasn't too wrapped up. A lot was left left open-ended and some of the characters were really left adrift and I felt that that was um, a very realistic kind of an interesting way to leave a youth drama like this. For instance, Yeon, who has been traumatized by her psycho boyfriend kidnapping her, we see that, you know, we see her walking along the street and she's so happy and everything's fine and she's not got any trauma and she's so great, but then we see that truly... Um, she has a big problem, a big problem. Um, a guy, you know, just makes a loud noise near her and she absolutely freaks out and freezes. And we realize that this experience that she's been through will have a lot of repercussions in her life. And I really liked that because 
so often in stories or, you know, particularly dramas, contemporary ones, people are always getting amnesia and hit by cars and all this crazy shit happens to them. And then the next episode, something new crazy happens to them. And there isn't always a lot of time spent on the fallout, the emotional fallout of events and how that would truly affect you if that happened in your life. And I think the truth is, if you are kidnapped by somebody that you're in love with and punched in the face and the stomach and kept captive, you are not going to be okay. And I liked that they didn't pretend that she was okay. Um, and they just left her there. They left her in a position where we know, I mean, she has friends. She has a good support network. Um, she will be okay, but she's not right now. Um, also with Kang's character, she makes this huge life decision and she gets out of the game with all the boyfriends that she was in and she decides to be a designer and she goes to college or classes or whatever she's doing and she starts working. And I loved where the drama left her as well, because instead of just being miraculously good at it all and finding it easy and being like a genius designer, she can't really do it. And She's finding it really hard and every second of every day she's wondering if she should quit. And I thought again, you know, being 24 and trying to figure out what you want to do when you've never thought about it in your life and trying to start on that journey is very daunting and very frightening and I liked that it made that clear. Um, the other ones, I guess, are sort of left in similar places and there were like Jiwon um, still is the same, you know, incorrigible character and out there girl who still doesn't have a boyfriend. And Unjay is obviously she's let go of the guilt of her past. And I think she believes that her father wasn't a murderer and she believes that she didn't do anything wrong, that there was nothing in, you know, this there was nothing in the water that she gave him. I'm not so sure as a viewer, I kind of feel like probably he, her father is a murderer and he did do those terrible things. And I think probably Anjay did have a role in her father's death, but I like that we leave her at the end of that chapter of her life and she is going to move forward with her college sunbay and, you know, just be a sweet college student from now on and not have to worry about those things. And um, the last one we leave, obviously, Yoon, she, we see her having a conversation with Chef and she's going to China for a month and she doesn't know if she'll come back after that month or not. And I hate relationship separations. I always feel like they happen for no reason just to keep characters apart. But I have to say in this case, I think that what Yoon, the life that Yoon has been through, she does need to sort herself out. I think she needs to live for herself for two minutes to just, just to wake up and figure out how to breathe again. And then I think she would be ready to be in a relationship I really liked the scene though when she's telling Chef, we, we as the viewer, we are privy to his inner thoughts and he's basically like, oh, this girl, you know, she never thinks about me. She's not going to ask me to go with her. She's, you know, just does everything by herself. And then the second that she says to him, oh, can I have your address? I'll write to you. He just turns into this like insane puppy dog who's never been happier in his life. And it's very, very cute. And I think that was the moment that you're like, oh, well, no matter how long she needs to take to figure out her shit, he will be there when she's ready like he will be there when she comes home and um, I thought that was really really lovely um, ending to a, you know a super super romantic storyline that they had going on so all in all that's the end of the show if you haven't watched it I really hope you'll go and watch it if you have watched it 
oh, please come and comment on my website. Please tell me what you thought. Um, I enjoyed it so, so much. And hopefully I will be um, hopping into season two soon and seeing what I think of that one.